Welcome to the You Can Have It All podcast to create a successful business and a thriving family. I am your host, Mona Tavassili. Hello and welcome back to another episode of You Can Have It All. Hope you have been enjoying listening so far. We are going to shift gears in this episode and hear an inspirational story from one of the amazing women entrepreneurs that I had the pleasure to meet through Vital Voices. I've already shared a couple of other interviews in March on the occasion of International Women's Day. So go back and listen to those for a dose of inspiration in case you haven't listened to them yet. This episode was recorded as part of our leadership workshop in Mumbai. And as we had a very tight schedule, most interviews happened late at night or during the breaks. But I'm so grateful to have been able to talk to these ladies and share their inspirational stories with you. So in this episode, in our Women on a Mission series, I had the pleasure to interview Courtney Savi-Lawrence. Courtney is an entrepreneur, educator, and connector by nature who thrives by working with others to bring innovative, sustainable development projects to life. She currently works with the UNDP's Regional Innovation Center as Head of Exploration. In the past 15 years, she has worked and traveled across more than 70 countries in pursuit of positive social and environmental impact. She has lived in Japan, South Africa, Uruguay, Costa Rica, the U.S., and most recently, Thailand. While based in Bangkok, she co-founded DSIL Global, a social innovation company. I first met Courtney in South Africa while she was pregnant, and I saw her again in Mumbai when baby JJ was there with her, and I was in awe of how she makes motherhood and business. Courtney shares different aspects of her work and motherhood with us in this episode, which is full of wisdom and great nuggets to learn from. Let's hear it together. Okay, it's 11 p.m. Friday night in Mumbai. Just came from dinner. We had such an interesting day. But Courtney, I can't be more grateful to have you here at this time. So thank you so much for being here with me. Thank you so much for having me. I know baby JJ is sleeping. We're going to introduce him shortly. <laughs> but the fact that they could actually come and make it tonight, it means a world to me. Thank you. Thank you. So I have the queen of design here with me, design thinking. Mm. And she's going to tell us all about it. We had a training session with Courtney. She is one of my VV Lead Fellows and um, one of the trainers who I admire a lot because of the way that you teach and the way that you facilitate and the entire design thinking is such an interesting topic, but I have a lot more questions than just design thinking. So tell me a little bit about your background, how you started, about your business, and tell me more about Courtney. Well, for starters, thank you so much for, for having me, Mona. And this, there's no other way that I would rather spend the nightcap of a Friday night in Mumbai than doing this right now. So thank you. it's perfect. And true, uh, baby JJ is sleeping. Uh, and doing well. So um, just, you know, if I have to describe it, I would just say I am an adventurer. I'm uh, very passionate and I follow those passions. So uh, basically, since I had the opportunity to once I graduated high school and I could leave, um, it wasn't so much about leaving, but it was more about finding and, and following different passions and exploring that. So um, in the past 15 plus years, I've lived in South America, Central America, South Southern Africa, and for the past seven years in Asia, so a few years in Japan and currently in Bangkok, Thailand. Perfect. And tell me about your professional background and experiences as well, please. So I, you know, I, I can't say that I, 
I always had a clear blueprint of what it was that I wanted to do. Um, what I can say is always very clear to me that I wanted to make um, an impact, a positive impact on the world. And that's just something that was part of the ethos of, of how I grew up. I had my mother was a teacher, uh, amongst many other things that she switched along the way. Um, and my father always worked in community service. So he worked as a uh, in an NGO um, on different types of urban issues for our community. And I have adopted brothers and sisters, and we just grew up always thinking about others. And um, of course, when you're young and you're a child, that doesn't always make sense. But looking back, that certainly impacted the way I see my role in the world. And part of that is just to simply um, try to better understand where I fit into that bigger picture and where I might be able to contribute and, uh, and make a little bit of that um, the world a better place. And you're an entrepreneur. So tell me about the journey of how did you start your own business and um, what is next for you? Sure, you know, I think um, entrepreneurship has been a bit glorified in the past you know 10 to 15 years and when I really look back at it even when I was 10 years old I was one of the kind of nerdy things I did was start a library at my house I, wow. I cataloged all of my books including like children's books specifically I was 10 years old and I remember going to the librarian at school and you know mentioning it and then she gave me all of these kind of cool things that a real library would have. So you had the cards and the pockets for the books. And no I literally put on a computer and, and documented that. And then I brought it to school and I had people sign up to have their membership to my library. And then suddenly others in my class created their own libraries. So we all started doing this kind of library exchange. And in terms of entrepreneurship, uh, I think it's been quite, you know, it's an exciting thing that's been a bit glorified, particularly in the past, uh, you know, 10, 15, 20 years as technologies enabled individuals to really mm. uh, create and, and actually create a business model that helps them um, achieve their passion or perhaps just their idea. And so for me, my journey with that is just simply seeing, okay, well, things that I'm interested in and recognizing that it can be a contribution to society. So I would say I'm a bit more of a social entrepreneur. Um, I really have no interest in just doing things exclusively to make money. Although I've tried to convince myself maybe that's something I should try to do more of. Um, but I have uh, started two companies. One, a social enterprise that's more on the community side, NGO side, um, really trying to create revenue to make social impact as a, as a key part of that purpose. And on the other side, um, a for-profit uh, social innovation company, most recently based out of Asia. And clearly trying to make social impact but understanding that you know if you don't have no margin no mission mm. and so maybe that's just part of what you uh, start considering more seriously the longer you're in the game so in terms of the library um, you know that wasn't the only thing we're well, looking back you know connecting the dots looking back um, there are a few other things that I see that actually I was just creating when I a few years after let's say the library um, I ended up creating my own mini magazine in high school mm. and I enlisted a lot of my friends to be writers and contributors and that ended up being quite a collective effort but we published something and we had people around the school reading it and so um, just over time I, I noticed there is a passion to create and um, I think what's happened 
I have over time been able to be in situations where I just learn that you can take that into a business context and make that part of what you can you you direct your life to to do. Um, I have to say, I think a key part of that is also getting the confidence to think really flexibly and also be more and more comfortable with taking risks. So before I I started any formal endeavor on my own, which by the way, I never started first with a business plan. It was more piloting or Mm -hmm. working on an idea and then recognizing some validity in the marketplace or with uh, different groups of people. But I worked with a startup. I was actually the first employee of a startup. And, you know, when I was, I think I was 25. And it was during those two years working with someone else's startup that I learned a lot of the chops of what that means to be uh, able to recreate, reframe, and um, just be very flexible with strategy and and direction of what you need to do on a week-to-week basis versus what a corporate environment um, with a lot of structure already in place offers. It's quite the opposite. You're building and constantly reevaluating as you go. And in your last business, what was your main role as an entrepreneur? So I think with when you start something, if you are starting something, um, it really comes down to can you inspire others to join you on that journey? And so in the early stages of that, a lot of it is about having an idea that people find interesting or intriguing, but also connecting with someone's, particularly if it's a social impact oriented uh, objective, it's really about connecting with someone's um, heart and what they want to do and their vision for themselves. Over time, as you become more formal, inherently you're going to have to build systems in process and also figure out the way to manage different types of people because people that want to join startups are a different type of personality set than managers that want to build or scale something that's already got somewhat of an infrastructure. And that for me was also a bit of a complicated thing to understand as I was going through it because the the politics and managing people's um, expectations is something that you cannot underestimate in terms of being complex. Hmm. Tell me some of the challenges that you faced while setting up a business and running it as well. Hmm. Okay, well, there's never, ever not a moment where there's not challenges. So I think a lot of it comes down to how do you embrace challenge or how do you consider challenge to be in your daily um, world? You're constantly solving problems. And I have to say that it's, it's I've been through several different burnouts because I throw everything I can into it. And when you add in other relationships and dynamics of things you need to also give your time and attention to, it really becomes quite complicated because a lot of times we lose ourselves in it and that means we're not taking the best care of ourselves. So one thing, again, I learned from um, the you can have it all <laughs> you know, framework and, and kind of way of being, the philosophy is, it's really that comes down to your own self-imposed limitations. But there's a lot of, development of self-awareness that that you have to do um, to really be successful over the long haul because over the short term you might be able to run a team or a company with just pure energy um, but that reservoir will need to get recharged and renewed in significant ways if you're really going to be able to sustain over time 
Do you have any tips that you can share with the audience, with people who just want to start a business or for those who are at the early years? Mm. That's a great question. I would say, and this is probably going to be quite cliche, everyone says, well, just do it. Just do it. Mm. Just do it. Um, and I have to say, the first time I ever did it, it was almost by accident. And I don't know if I would have really had the courage to do it if it wasn't for the fact that I co-founded. So it wasn't just me all by myself. But I was kind of riding on the courage that my co-founder had and then vice versa. So having a partner or an ally um, to take those big leaps of faith with you or together um, is, is really what it was like. It's like riding a bike. You, you're not sure if when you're first trying to start, are you going to tip over? Are you going to be too wobbly? But somehow at some point, someone whoever's been helping you either takes off the training wheels or lets go and you find your balance as you're going and there's honestly no other way to do it than that i think one thing that i see um with certain certain people they're timid and they take a lot of time and i think that kills a lot of the momentum and energy that comes from what happens when you really take that leap of faith and you go for it um so knowing yourself and and somewhat knowing when the time is right i will say that what i believe if you're in tune with yourself that intuition will tell you it will start as a whisper and at some point it will get so loud that if you ignore it's screaming at you you're no longer serving yourself you know you're not living the path that has been carved out waiting for you and so it's intimate with the self um, this journey I would say and it does take a lot of courage and so timing is important and preparation is let's say relatively important but perhaps is really more about knowing yourself than anything else very interesting and at the moment you are doing some consulting work is that right so you have worked on your personal brand i would say this thing a path that a lot of entrepreneurs successful entrepreneurs take after gathering all of the expertise that they needed in the in that field now i believe you're working on your personal brand and you're doing some consultancy so tell me a little bit about that as well as i mentioned a little bit earlier you know burnout has been a reality at different times and I only know, learned about self-care in the past few years. I, I'm, it's almost shocking that it was such a late learning in, uh, in my life. I wish I learned a lot more about it a lot earlier. Um, so I ended up um, having a, a, a baby about a year ago. Oh, we're going to talk about that for sure. That's the and highlight of a, my interview. This is a big part of it. <laughs> and that really helped anchor my my bravery and courage to actually decelerate. And when I say that, I mean um, the second company that I co-founded, I decided uh, it was time to, to move out of the management operations and allow my incredible and capable co-founder really run, run, the op run the show. And so I needed a sabbatical and that's exactly what, well, maternity leave slash sabbatical. I don't know if that really makes sense. Um, it's almost like a paradox, but I, I re-managed my expectations and allowed myself to really slow down and step back, something that I had not done in years. And from that uh, space, I was able to generate a moment about six months later where I was really excited to just reflect. And, and I mean, when I say reflect, I, I created a portfolio and I really started envisioning what it is that I wanted to do um, and it's not like I just said, okay, in six months I'm starting to envision what I want to do. No, actually I was hoping 
a huge light bulb would like hit me over the head and I'd be like, this is the next thing you're supposed to do. Um, but it didn't quite work that way. And what's unfolded is I'm just following the things that I really get excited about. And so a lot of the consulting projects that I'm doing are around innovation strategy, design thinking, applied design thinking, and, and sustainable development because it's certainly connected to systems change around what we need to do globally to really turn some of the the serious trajectories that are big challenges around. Um, so that's that's kind of where I am uh, with it. To be more concrete, I am helping to do business strategy innovation with a social venture based in Pakistan at the moment. I'm working with uh, the UN on a few different initiatives that are around research and impact metrics um, and entrepreneurship and a few other things. But to be very clear, I wouldn't get I wouldn't be where I am if I also didn't anticipate needing a, a network. So what I did prior to having the baby is I enlisted um, a coach. So I was able to be a part of a, a program called the Coaching Fellowship, which is all for women doing social impact work. And I got partnered with a coach who's absolutely amazing. And I also serendipitously met another um, based out of Bangkok, another woman who out of her passion is starting a project or a company, um, working on starting a company that's really about helping mothers in transition. So we did a four-part series and I had a lot of guidance in helping me reflect. I'm already a very reflective person, but having some structures and tools and frameworks and certainly a community like the one, the Vital Voices, has been so critical. If it wasn't for this kind of army of women to help me sustain and stay inspired, I'm not quite sure I would be in the space where I am feeling really great right now and, and quite confident in, in living a life with no regrets. Leaving the company that I left, the way that I left it, um, is something I didn't anticipate doing. And, I, and I'm really excited about uh, the way it's unfolded. What I love about your story, Courtney, is when we met for the first time in South Africa, you were giving your 100% for your business. And then at that time you were pregnant with baby JJ, who is our favorite. And <laughs> he was with us during this week and everybody absolutely loves him. We're going to talk about him. But after you had baby JJ and then you started to take another route. And for me, it shows a high level of self-awareness that you know what serves you and what doesn't. And you take action quickly. And you never... Uh, let anything define you. So Courtney is Courtney. And you're a mom, you're an entrepreneur, you're an expert. And then no matter what route you take, you still have that confidence and you still have that level of self-awareness to do something that serves you. And I really admire that in you. So let's go back to baby JJ and how he changed your life. Tell me a little bit about motherhood. Wow. Okay. Um, well, motherhood for me has been the most incredible gift that I didn't know that I would ever experience the way that I am. Actually, a year ago, I was 100% terrified and awkward. I was totally awkward about being pregnant and fearful that everything that was coming would mean that I'm giving up my freedom, giving up my adventure, and giving up my ambition. I'm, I'm, I'm ambitious, but not in a conventional way. I just have a a vision for how I want to live my life. And anything that cuts into that, I get really, really, 
concerned about. And I'm, I'm very protective of my, my vision, which is always tied to freedom, <laughs> to be honest. Mm. Tied to freedom, but also tied to really um, doing something impactful for the, for the planet and for the world. I'm sincere with that. So I cannot even tell you. It's just amazing how much more I'm, my heart has expanded my sense of hope and possibility has evolved and just love. It's just love. It's such a gift to be a mother. And you're, t- you're hearing this now, of course, he, honestly, he's almost a year. You ask me this f- when I'm, when he is four months old or two months old, the answer is going to be a little bit different at times. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's been an, it hasn't been, a perfect like smooth sail or walk in the park for sure it's actually been incredibly incredibly complicated and challenging from an emotional standpoint from a physical standpoint and it's through those challenges that i know for sure i've of course grown as you say life gives you a toolbox when you hit these challenges and if anything that toolbox is leaning on others as well like having the humility to say, even at times, I just don't know. And then asking maybe other other people, friends for that matter, your mother, your sister, just people, and just being real with it. And then usually some wisdom will emerge and you're like, ah, oh, okay. But um, it's just such a, a huge gift being a mom. I'm, I'm just can't even believe I'm saying it like this because I was... And I didn't even know how to change a diaper until two days after he was born. I learned in mm-hmm. the hospital two days after he's born. I didn't like babysitting. I'm very happy being an aunt, but I was never truly sure I could imagine being a mother. And um, and even when I told my, my brother and my dad that we were pregnant, they were like, huh? <laughs> and my husband looks at me like, should I be worried? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. And then I'm like, what do you, why do you guys look like this? It's on Skype. I'm like, what's this face all about? And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, you guys are making a face. And they're like, oh, 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 we just didn't, yeah, we just, we just we're having a hard time seeing it. And I'm like, oh, great. Thanks for the vote of no confidence. Um, so I think I've disproved everyone, including myself on that. The interesting thing for me is that, uh, Courtney, you're still doing your so you still have a very busy schedule but i've also included him into mm. your schedule you also take him everywhere with you so tell me a little bit about that how do you manage or balance that we were in the break times during yeah. lunch time you have him we went for the common hours like eight hours of you know city tour and you had him all the time even though you do have his support uh, but what was interesting for me was that even though you have a nanny, you were doing everything when you were with him. So tell me a little bit about your responsibilities as a mom. Let me start with a quick story. About a week ago, I was in in the Netherlands for a conference doing a workshop. And at that point, the baby was back home in, in Bangkok with my husband. And, and we do have a, a nanny that comes during the day for about eight hours a day just so that I can uh, go to work as well. And I ended up having a conversation with another entrepreneur, social entrepreneur, a friend of mine, who was like, okay, I think we're ready to maybe have a kid. I think. Because she's always, she's on the go. Mm. And, um, you know, I said, you know, I'm having this conversation with a lot of women right now. They're, they're thinking about motherhood, but they're not sure. They're not convinced that they can keep doing the thing that they're doing from a business standpoint. And I said, it's absolutely possible. 
And I, she was like, you should tell more people about it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to make a post. So I made a post. And the next day, of course, I just post about, like, life is, you know, it's amazing to be a mom. I thought I was going to be, you know, losing adventure, losing freedom, losing my career. And actually, it's here we are. You know, we're traveling. He's coming to India, la, la, la. He's already... He's been with us to a lot of places, for example. I saw the pictures, and that's amazing. Yeah. You take him everywhere. Yeah, literally. I think he's been he's yeah he's been to quite a few places at this point, and in different meetings sometimes as well. But it's funny because my my husband the next day, I suppose he probably won't be listening to this podcast for women entrepreneurs and moms. But um, he messaged me and he's like, "Can I call you?" And I was like, "Oh, okay. What is this? Call? We call. You know, I wake up, call him, and he's like, "Hey." you didn't really mention me in that post. And I was like, well, what do you mean? I was like, I tagged you. You're like tagged. He was like, well, do you think you could do all this without me? And I was like, of course not. Like, of course I can't do it all without the help. And, and you're that help, you know? And uh, he's like, okay, okay. I was like, I'm editing the post. So, I, you know, it's interesting because it made me realize, okay, actually, yes, I'm doing a lot. I'm bringing baby JJ along for the ride in many cases as much as possible because I really believe that time with him is the priority and I don't want to lose that and at the same time it's not possible without a support network and so uh, I'm lucky to have a partner that really is invested at the same time it, it would be impossible if I wasn't because we we're not close to family it would be impossible if we weren't able to to have some support and so I was able to have a nanny uh, you know, join us here in, in India. And I don't think without, I, w- I just want to be very honest, you know, without a wider network of support, it would be very complicated to do this. And I did try to DIY this for, I did DIY, I should say, for the first four months. I didn't have a nanny. I wanted to, I'm a very DIY person anyway, but I did the laundry, I did the cleaning, I did the shopping, I did the cooking. And, um, because I am so career oriented, I, I certainly wanted to, um, to keep moving and forward in that space. So enlisting support was, is a critical, critical element to this. And that support group has been always there for even generations before us, maybe not as a nanny, but it was right. always an aunt or yeah. a neighbor or somebody who was helping out because it's not easy to raise a child, especially now they are even more demanding. <laughs> um, so definitely finding that support group, no matter how we define it. When we lived in Dubai, I had my in-laws across, for example. And now that we're in Canada, I miss that. Because yes, whether you have grandparents around or nanny or whatever that we define it, but definitely we always say you can yeah. have it all, you can do it all. Yeah. So it's the matter of how do we create that support group around us. Right. As I was mentioning earlier, you know, that's in the context of having a, of a child. But when you're going through transitions, it's absolutely important, too, to not think that you are alone and to be thoughtful and mindful and strategic about enlisting support. So like I mentioned, I knew I was going through a big change. And so I, I was like, a coach would be really helpful. Mm. Um, someone exactly. that's worked with mothers in transition would be really helpful. Leaning on my, my women's network with Vital Voices would be really helpful. So there's a humility that comes with saying, you know, I'm not really sure what I'm doing next. Let me find someone that is happy to meet me where I am because that's what they're passionate about. That's what they love to do. And so that was critical. I mean, being, I think that's a big practice. If we can 
lean into it and embrace it is just being like, you know, I'm here to help others and others are here to help me. So let's let's move forward with that. There are a lot of movements about the challenges uh, that happen after having a child because these are the things that people usually don't talk about mm-hmm. like in the movies the baby's born and then wow the entire family is very happy i remember when our first son was born i had a lot of mixed feelings and i wasn't sure if it was a very good idea to have a child at that time even though i wasn't very young so but because again you have i was really enjoying my freedom and then the first four months, I found it really, really challenging. But nobody talks mm. about those challenges. So now I make sure that I tell everyone that if you love it from day one, perfect, enjoy it. But if you don't, you are not alone. There are a lot of other mothers that find that challenging to switch. I had I had challenging time with both my kids. So it's not just as a new role. When both of them were born, I found it very difficult to get used to the new routine of raising two kids or raising one child so it's very important to talk about it at the same time tell them it is possible so I'm glad that you shared this story also that even though it's challenging but we always figure it out and it is absolutely possible I remember after my TEDx talk for it was for at my university so there were a lot of students in the room and then there was a young lady and I always thought my audience are like moms who already have kids and maybe 30 plus, for example, that's the audience that I have in my mind uh, of people who are listening to me or following me. And then a young lady, maybe 20 year old, came to me and said, Mona, I just wanted to thank you because I was really doubting to finish my studies because I was thinking, what's the point? I'm going to finish this. OK, then I, I'm going to get married and then I will have kids and I will never use this and I will never work. So why should I even study? Hmm. And then here you are. And my TEDx talk was about featuring other mom entrepreneurs as well. Hmm. Standing in front of me, featuring other moms, you're a mom yourself, telling me that it's not either or. I can have both of them. And for me, it was such an aha moment that our audience is not only people who, have, who are already mothers. Actually, it's young mm. girls who have this mindset that I, I need to either become a very successful professional woman or I'm going to be uh, you know, a housewife and a mom. And the idea is there's nothing wrong with either of them, but also if you choose to have both, it is possible. And I love featuring women like you who are very driven. So you want to achieve things, you have your own business, but at the same time, you are being a perfect mother in your own definition. And that's so important as well, which takes me to my next question that we talked about having it all. Define for me how is your all? When do you feel fulfilled? Great question. Um, And certainly this week I've been asking that quite often after especially after your talk um, the other day for me the days that if I look back the days that I feel like wow lucky me I'm I'm really there's no complaint I have only gratitude it's really when I have felt like I've been very present Mm. very present that's something that I've been working on a lot in the past few years Um, but really anchored grounded present and what that means especially with having a young baby is spending a few hours at least really just with him not him like you know on the side while I'm grocery shopping it's Mm. me with him and one of my routines that I'm I'm hoping I can continue to sustain as long as possible is we go on a daily walk to the park in our neighborhood we see about 10 or 15 different sets of grandmas and grandpas that all know his name say hello we look at flowers, we look at the lake. Um, I usually put like a flower in his hand at some point so he can touch some nature. We're in a big city, so 
I think connecting with nature is important. And we have a slow moment, but we have a nice routine. And we're, you know, as he's little enough, we're, I usually carry him. So it's like a little hug for like an hour, you know, like a little permanent hug because he's in the carrier. And sometimes I put him in the stroller. So still we're together, maybe not the permanent hug, but a day where that gets to happen, a really nice, slow, quality moment connecting. And then I get to go do my meetings. I get to go build some creative ideas or work on projects and have uh, also a nice moment to connect with family and friends. That's that's the day that I really feel like defines having it all. You talked about a very important fact that I've been very conscious about recently, and that is I see a lot of parents around us, including myself at times, that um, we are not that present with our child. Um, so, for example, making sure that they are fed and their clothes are clean and like all of the physical things, I would say, are sorted. But less and less I see that quality time with our children. And there is that um, perception of time, that mm -hmm. there is no time. And as long as they're doing good, that emotional, I believe that emotional quality time with our kids, it has been less and um, less and I, what I loved about you is that even when you get half an hour you spend that quality time with baby JJ it's not just feeding him it's also spending that quality time dancing with him mm. which I absolutely love um, so I, I I admire that in you and uh, I wanted to highlight it that even though you're here on a business trip and you have him he's not just there He's, he's really part of the program, and that is very noticeable. What's your favorite book that helped you on this journey? Well, at the moment, I would say the book that's really, really impacting my life over the past I would, uh, six months or so is one that's called Eastern Body, Western Mind. And I started reading it um, particularly when I was having a, a really tough moment. We were moving houses. We broke a lease. Uh, the baby was only four months old at the time. I hadn't yet quite gotten back into the work thing. My identity was questionable. I was like, who am I without all these things I used to do? Just really um, going through a lot of examination. And I came across this book serendipitously at a friend's house. And when I was reading it, the, let's say the, the key premise is that we are we're ultimately energy and we have different uh, energy systems and the chakra system is one of them. And as a mother, I didn't realize until I was reading the book that a lot of our foundational energy systems are, are really created in the first two years of life. And so it made me rethink about the way in which I wanted to manage my own energy, but certainly help cultivate the foundation of my new baby boy and in the sense of security or the sense of fear and abandonment, all of mm -hmm. these things can be impacted. He may not have an actual f psychological framework for remembering every single experience the way that we do it once we, be we get older, but his energy systems are being impacted just as we all are. We can, we're run by that. Um, so this has helped me. It's illuminated a lot for how I want to be more cognizant and aware of how I'm um, embracing positivity or harboring something that's negative and possibly traumatic how is that impacting what i do next how is that impacting my self-imposed limitations how does that hold me back or how does it, how can working with that 
helped me move forward. And then I think I feel a, an extra layer of serious accountability and responsibility because I am a mother and I have this tremendous opportunity, privilege, and, and, and again, responsibility to help sh shape you know, the, another individual in a pretty significant way in these early years. Um, so that's been really fascinating. It has nothing to do with business, um, but it has, perhaps it does, you know, maybe down the road it will in the sense that the more in tune I can be with myself, the more I can manage myself consciously, not unconsciously, but consciously, I think the scope of what I can do in a professional s space is actually going to expand as well. And that's so interesting because you're from the U.S. and you live in uh, Bangkok. So the West and the East mm. uh, it represents you as well. And is there, are there any differences culturally, whether that's, you know, raising kids or in general, what are the challenges or opportunities or the differences that you feel are between West and the East? Well, I'll highlight, at least in where I live at the moment, it's pretty amazing how Overall, the community deeply embraces and loves babies. Mm. I mean, in our neighborhood, we see the street vendors and people in the park on a daily basis. They all know my baby's name. They all smile. There is an enthusiasm at seeing a young baby. It's not just my baby. It's just generally speaking. Mm. And and I don't necessarily feel that's always the case in in other cultures. And so I think that's a huge advantage, a huge plus. There's a sense of caring mm. and in contrast to it might be harder somewhere else. And that's, but um, I think it would depend on, on where you are. The, the downside is we're so far from our, our family, his, our right? grand, yeah. his grandparents, you know, we, we Skype, we FaceTime, but that's not, there's no replacement for a relationship that takes place when you're in person. Of course. Courtney, I'm very interested to know when you hit the low of the low mm -hmm. and uh, what brought you up again? What made you, do you have any tips to share that for, for women who are there now? And uh, tell us how did you find your balance again or harmony again? That's a really interesting question because I think when you're in it, you're really, really in it. And I, looking back, I, I do think there are some environmental factors that maybe I could have managed and maybe maybe just totally out of my control. But what I found that helped me moving forward was um, a few things. One, connecting with my coach a bit more. Mm -hmm. So having a sounding board helped me process my own complicated sense of emotions and, and state of reality. Two, I had a, a Reiki session. Reiki... Mm -hmm whoever is listening may or may not know but one quick and easy way of describing it is um again in tune with your your energy you may feel certain blocks or you may not feel anything and that is itself a block and so having someone that's very i'm very sensitive to energy and i can tell when when i'm not very grounded or i'm feeling um scattered or anxious that's not my that's unwell that's not me being well and so um being able to find support and someone that can help me move through that was important. And, and in the moment to be very real and honest, what was also tough for me was that I am someone that has to, I should say, I feel really great when I connect with, with nature and I exercise. Um, and in that moment when we were living, I mean, we're in Bangkok, but the pollution was really bad. Mm. It was so bad that it would be, let's say, 
considered very unhealthy to be outside at certain times of the day. And when you're like already home, you know, with your, your baby 24-7 and just going to the park is actually considered to be unhealthy for you and the child, you know, and it, maybe it does actually feel and you can't see the sky the same way. It's just felt, I felt trapped mm. and I felt this doesn't seem right. And um, it kind of drove me crazy for a moment. Um, so that, and I, and I literally couldn't, in that moment, I couldn't just hop on a plane and go anywhere. I couldn't just hop in a car and go somewhere. I was, I literally couldn't escape. And that, that made me feel very uncomfortable. So you say that having a coach and that self-awareness that, okay, I am, I am facing this and this is not me and this is not normal. I have to do something about it. So that's awareness and then asking for help. Yeah. And I think when you're really desperate, um, which I felt quite desperate in that moment, you either have the inclination to reach out hard for a, a lot of help and some people really go in the shell and they mm. do the opposite. Um, so I think that is also something to be aware of knowing your tendencies and if you, you know, okay. So for me, I will, I won't be on social media very much. If I'm having a tough moment, I'm probably definitely not posting on Facebook. Other people put it all out there. They mm. make a big post like, this is what I'm going through. This is really hard. And I, I admire that. It's very vulnerable. I just don't have the energy. I'm so caught in myself trying to understand what's going on that I have no energy for the outside world. So I've been through those moments as well. And so I think that's also helpful to know that I know myself. I know that that's okay. And trying to figure out step by step slowly how you're going to make sense of what will eventually be the key part that helps you move forward. And asking the right person. So I'm not sure necessarily Facebook, for example, is the, I don't know, I've never tried it. But, mm -hmm. asking, but you actually put an effort to find a coach or someone that can really help you because it could be also very disappointing if we ask wrong people who can't really yeah. uh, help us. And I remember when we were, when I was having a hard time after I had a child, I actually went to an energy healing session as well. It wasn't Reiki. It was more of an overall mm -hmm. energy energy healer. And one thing that he mentioned which really helped me was just take yourself out of the situation and look at the situation from the from top mm. because you're really into it as you said you really right. you feel at times you feel trapped you're looking what can i do and something that really helped me so these little things when we ask for help yeah. it, it helps a lot like you take yourself out of the situation you, you you look at it from top and then it's like fresh air you have fresh air you can breathe again yeah. and you say okay i got this yeah. i think when you, like a cinema you know, there's a movie yeah. going and say, okay, what can they do? What can she do in this scenario? Yeah. And then you come up with solutions. Well, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I mean, this sound, it's like we're sitting here and we're like, yeah, yeah, that's it. And when you're in it, though, it, it doesn't feel like that's accessible. And, I, and I'll be very honest. I, I reached out to chocolate. I reached out to wine. <laughs> like, <laughs> I did things Love that were not like in super excess, but I did things that, you know, I had girlfriends that were like, treat yourself. Yeah, of course. Like, have your glass of wine. But then if you do that, I remember I had an um, Ayurvedic consultation, right? I had mm. a friend whose partner was trained in Ayurvedic medicine. He's like, chocolate and, and wine are poisons to the body. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I've been doing, I've been having poison every day for like three weeks straight. You know, like, what am I supposed to do? Now I feel even worse. Like, it's just, um, you kind of just do what your best you can in those moments. Um, and in those moments, having a glass of wine at night, 
was really helpful for doing the cinema process that you're talking about, getting out of your situation. But certainly, you know, if I noticed in myself, like, red flag, okay, that's like three weeks in a row mm. having a little glass of wine. Not, I wasn't getting, I wasn't having a lot. I wasn't getting drunk. Not probably not even tipsy, but just one of those things, like, do I really, is this really serving me? And when it becomes a bit of, like, a longer pattern, you know, like, you got to do more work in a different way, in a holistic way. I love the vulnerability, um, Cordy. And the reason I want to do this podcast is really to show other women, to show other people that even when you see something is perfect, we all go through emotional yeah. drama. It, it's just a matter of how do we handle this. And that level of awareness that now, still when I feel something is not right, I just know that I need to do something or I have not been doing something. And that's taking a step back and say, okay, let's see what is the right thing to do instead of getting trapped into it. And I'm really happy that you you shared all of this with you for, because for those of you who know Courtney, she's <laughs> on top of everything. <laughs> You're one of the role models. Oh, so I'm very grateful that you shared behind the scenes as well the challenges that you have and the solutions that you found for yourself. I'm sure other women, especially who are in this space at the moment and they're finding it challenging, there is hope. <laughs> there is light at the end of the tunnel that's that's a promise it's just taking it one step at a time and I think th- there were times in my life that everything looked foggy and I was just really taking it one yeah. step at a time yeah. perfect and Courtney what is your philosophy in life at the moment mm. interesting question at the moment because you add at the moment I think at the moment continually coming up um, just be present just be present uh, really really try to take time each day to just simplify have gratitude and be present and um and part of that is a bit like driven by fear i'm hoping um i can sustain the amount of engagement i have with the baby and not just get carried away with projects um as complexity increases when you start getting really back into things um but I don't think it will ever stop being until maybe i'm just so present that i don't even need to say be present anymore you know mm. But I found that I've just been running at such a speed by default for years and years and years. And it really wasn't until this year that I've gotten to to know what it's like to really slow down consistently. And my coach that I have, who I, I adore, you know, her, the analogy she shared with me was like, you know, like a if you take a, let's say, a glass of, of muddy water from a river and, you, you know, it's shaken up when you take it. You can't see through it. There's no clarity. But you just set it down and you patiently allow it to settle. And you see right you see the sediment at the bottom and then you see right through the the water that's just there when it's still. So I I think back to to that metaphor when I'm thinking about my life at different moments sometimes now. I'm like, okay, not that I'm like, hey, did I have a really shaken up day today or am I still in mm-hmm. clear water? But that's a really strong visual metaphor for me. And I think that um, embodies a lot of, of wisdom in a really simple way. And what's your favorite quote? So right now, because I love this right now part, because part of my design thinking you know, mindset is really about running many experiments, which means we have a lot of freedom to just test out things you know, all the time. And so not holding too too long and hard onto any one thing I think is a, a pretty interesting way to live um, you know with everything except love I think you should always hold on to love 
But um, the one that I shared earlier this week that I, I reread off and on over the past few months to keep me motivated is the one attributed to Socrates. The secret of change is to focus all of your energy, not on fighting the old, but on building the new. I love it. That's beautiful. Yeah. And for me, that is what this year has been all about, really having to honor the past, but go through those stages of grief, let it go. It's it's not what it, it just literally cannot survive the way it used to be my old identity before kids you've got to let it go um, but honor it and then really focus on the architecture of the blueprint of where I want to what do I want to build where do I want to go and um, you know the archaeology of digging into the past can serve its purpose at different moments but if you get too stuck digging and digging you're going to be in a hole after a mm -hmm. while <laughs> So I love that this uh, this quote that's I think, you know, hundreds of years old, thousands of years old is uh, has a lot of meaning. That's beautiful. How can design thinking help entrepreneurs? So for starters, everyone is a designer. You've been designing your whole life already. And the concept of design thinking, I believe, has been mainstreaming a lot in the past, uh, especially the past five years. Uh, you see design thinking workshops and mm. and um books and you know pop business books around using design google sprint etc and um i think there's a lot of mystery around it and then people might go to like a one-day workshop and be like oh you know i got it that's i got this wait a minute i already do this but there's actually quite a lot of nuance so if you if you're starting from let's say step zero and you you know you have you've heard of the phrase but you're not really sure what it is um I would really encourage anyone, especially entrepreneurs, to, to learn a little bit about it. And there's millions of ways to do that. There's, you know, face-to-face, -face, I'm sure, workshops and things that are probably happening in a community nearby, or there's online courses, um, et cetera. But the beauty of it to me is around the mindsets. And so it's less about step one, step two, step three, which generally involve, you know, figuring out a problem, creating solutions, prototyping it, which just means doing something without investing a lot of money to build and test and testing. And I'm definitely oversimplifying it at the moment because, I, like I mentioned, I believe a lot of nuance is lost and a lot of really special, important things are, are lost in that conversation. But again, it's really about mindsets. And we were talking about it this week at, at our training session here. And it's just around having a certain type of lens and approach to problem solving. One thing that others don't know about me. Mm. Good question. There's probably a lot of things that people don't know about me. You know what I a love? A lot of things. Other guests that I ask, it's like nobody asked them before. So they all come with like, this is one, two, three, yeah. four. There's, there's like probably a pretty, pretty significant list. One thing that I love. Okay, so I have been asked this question before. And, you know, I think this is a pretty, looking back on it, it has a bit more meaning for me now than it would even 10 years ago. But one thing that people generally don't know about me is that when I was 14, I went on a relay race with my dad and some of his co-workers in Costa Rica. It was my first time ever out of the, the U.S. And 
and um, we ran across the country of Costa Rica in 27 wow. hours. We did coast to coast relay race. I was the youngest for sure. I brought one wow. other friend from the cross country team and they had never done this race before. And they kind of messed up. They're like, oh, there's just three mountain ranges. And they're like seven. And, um, you know, it was it was as as exhausting as it might sound. It was incredibly exhausting. But, you know, looking back on it, I was like, whoa, that's so cool. And I remember mm. just, you know, just being blown away by the adventure and the excitement of it. And so that's that, right? That's kind of how I classified it for, for many years. And now that, especially now that I'm a mother, I'm like, wow, that experience inspired and ignited so many different possibilities that I created for myself. I mean, when I was dreaming, it just made my dreams so much bigger about mm -hmm. what I wanted to maybe do. And who would, who would have known? But I did go back for grad school. My my um, master's was in Costa Rica. So I went back more than 10 years later, of course, after I was 14 and ended up studying there for a year. So it's a very special place for me. And, and to be honest, that to think of me if I can't even imagine, like, who knows, if my little baby boy, when he's 14, taking him to a country and running across it with him, wow. like, what? That just seems, maybe I would be like, oh, he's too young for that. Or maybe I'd be like, no, I can't do it. I'm too old. But I just really love and respect that my, my dad, and I guess my mom for letting us do this, um, my dad just was like, yep, going to do it. Let's do this. That's amazing. And I was running through coffee bean fields at 3 a.m. Oh my God. by myself at one point because the van will drop you off and pick you up a little bit further down mm. depending on the route. And uh, I remember it was like a spring break, so like we weren't in school that week. But I remember thinking like, man, it's 3 in the morning and I'm pretty sure none of my friends are doing anything <laughs> even slightly like, like this at all. And so it's just, yeah, it's a really, really cool thing about the opportunity to be a parent and how these what seems to be one week out of a whole lifetime completely changes the trajectory of what your child might envision doing for themselves. That's absolutely amazing. And I always dream of doing like maybe Kilimanjaro or climbing or something yeah. when my son and each of them separately, mm -hmm. because I, exactly as you said, it creates memories that you'll never forget. Yeah, especially I think especially at that age, it's really powerful. Courtney, thank you so much. You're my super mom, You're my <laughs> achiever, super mom. <laughs> and I really enjoyed our talk. Thank you for giving me your time. Have a safe flight back home. I know you have. A, you're leaving tomorrow early morning. Oh my goodness! And yes. I can't wait to see you. I don't know where in the world, but I'm sure we'll see each other very online. soon again. Yeah, uh, online for voices. sure. Voices. <laughs> voices. Yeah. We still have classes. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and Courtney's inspirational story. I feel honored to have the opportunity to meet and talk to amazing women all around the world. It reminds me that the challenges of running a successful business and a thriving family are not limited to a region or a country. Remember that we are in this together. And in case you're facing any challenges as a new mom or a new entrepreneur, you are not alone. Keep moving forward and you will always figure things out with the right support group and the right mindset. Let me know your inspirational stories and the support group that you have created for yourself to play your A game. Keep inspiring and shining and I'll talk to you soon.